Rick Madison here, Rick and Friends. Uh, thanks for listening, by the way. Um, today we have a special guest, Dino Padula, sales manager at National Seating Mobility, friend of mine for a few years, and uh, and also somebody that's in a chair. How, how long have you been in a, in a chair, Dino? Hi, Rick. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yes, I've been in a chair for 46 years as of December. And... And so tell me a little bit about the, the business and, and, and some of the, the problems you solve for your clients. So National Seating and Mobility um, is a, the largest um, medical supplier here in British Columbia, uh, second largest in Canada. And, and what we do is, is we um, are a support team and, and supply medical equipment for pediatrics to adults to people with um, spinal cord injury. I mean, e even a broken leg and rehabilitation, you know, um, with knee walkers and, 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 and anything you might need in that aspect. And to really sum it up, Rick, is, is whatever you need to make your mobility and life easier, we have the product for that. Um, whether it just be, like I said, a sprained ankle to a spinal cord injury. Um, we can make uh, your life easier, and and that's kind of what we do. Um, in anybody, uh, do you have any kind of numbers of how many people you've helped over the years? Do you know? Because I know you've you've helped people with uh, various things in their houses, but uh, I mean, you're all over. You've been put on a lot of miles, helped a lot of people. Is there any kind of number that comes to mind for how many people you've actually engaged with? Wow, that's a, that, that's a good question. Um, I mean, this might help. Uh, this is my 27th year in the industry. Um, I've been responsible for bringing clients home from GF Strong after catastrophic injuries. Um, I can say myself now at National Seating and Mobility, we probably have 90% of the spinal cord injury for um, our region, which is the interior. So number-wise... Rick, I don't know. I mean, thousands. And and what kind of sense of of satisfaction do you get when you when you leave somebody and and they kind of get an idea of what's possible now? Because obviously, some of the catastrophic injuries that you come in contact with, their world suddenly gets a whole lot brighter after you you meet with them and kind of chat with them and and kind of tell them, you know what? Here's some things that we're going to talk about. Here's some things you can do. Like, how does that go when, because you're dealing with emotions too, I would imagine. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm almost a bit of a counselor um, as well. I mean, to to see um, somebody with a catastrophic injury, NGF strong, you know, barely able to transfer from a bed to a wheelchair, the feeling and the reason why I'm continuing to do this and I'm still doing it, Rick, is is to have that person come home and be with their family again and not be so upset at the fact that they've just, you know, restarted their life in a different way. I mean, the ex once a client of mine has accepted and, and moved forward and, and realizes that, you know, the light is there and life will continue just in a different way. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't describe it, Rick. It's a pretty good feeling. I mean, there's there's a lot of ups and downs um, of, of what happens afterwards with family and kids and, and and accessibility at home and the fact that national seating can and and myself can 
bring that person home and have the house accessible and ramps and elevators and bathroom safety. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty great feeling, Rick. I mean, for us to be able to do that for someone, um, yeah, it's great. It's almost a little godlike. So, Dino, you, you're talking a bit about how you, you, you give them this hope, this inspiration. Does it resonate more with them when you're speaking to them as somebody who's in a chair? Yes and no. I mean, um, I've been in a wheelchair my entire life, so I was born with a muscle disease. Um, so I haven't known any difference. This is me. This is how I grew up. This is how I, I had to adjust the life to be where I am today. Um, of course, as you know, Rick, you know, we, we, we are close friends and, and you see that there's nothing that I can't do uh, other than bug you sometimes because I need your legs to reach things. But the, the fact that, um, we, you know, I'm seeing these people eye to eye and, and they're, they're trusting in me and, and, you know, and that's the big thing is the trust um, that I'm their go-to. They know if they call me for ABC that they don't, you know, they want to try, for example, skiing or, or a sport, or they want to, you know, they, I'm there for them to call and say, Hey, you know, have you done this? Have you done this? So yes, you know, the, the fact that I've done um, everything possibly that you can do in a wheelchair with a disability um, yeah, I think it makes things a little easier for them. I mean, the toughest part I've always had, Rick, was is I haven't known any different, though, right? So the understanding, I mean, and this is something that I've learned through the years, is the understanding of the emotional strain that someone is having. Um, that was a big curve for me when I was younger. Um, but now it's it's not an issue at all. I mean, we pretty much, we understand the same thing because now as I, I'm aging, uh, I am finding things more difficult to do than I could have done, you know, a few years ago. So, Dino, let's talk a little bit about, and and only because I have uh, different friends in, in chairs that I know that the body doesn't age well in a chair. Can you explain kind of what's, because uh, probably you've you've been in to see a physician and they've, they've told you, here's what happens. What happens? Because, I mean... Give, a, give us an insight into how people age that, that sit in a chair maybe 15, 18 hours a day. I don't even know. Well, the easiest way to describe it, Rick, is, is our body is not designed to sit, okay? Um, once we're sitting for long periods of time, we get a lot of fixed, um, call them deformities, where, you know, the pelvis becomes fused at a certain point. So excess you know stretching and and you know movements and all those things that you on a daily basis just walking around our body doesn't do that so you know we kind of joke about it but me being 46 my body's more like 56 um you know we have that extra year on us the shoulder i mean let's look at professional sport i mean you think a baseball player can throw a ball 100 miles an hour for 20 or 30 or 40 years no his shoulders damaged. Well, my shoulders have probably been shot for 20 years. The reality is, is our body's not designed to continually push a wheel. So that's why some of the advancements with power assist and power mobility and all these different devices will allow people with disabilities to live longer. Okay, so you've you've talked a bit about the uh, the shoulders and and the fact that uh, the the body just 
you know, it, it effectively is 10 years older than most people. How does that, uh, is there ways around that? Like, is there anything people in, you can do? Like, is there, uh, like, do you rest more? Do you stretch more? Like, I mean, is there any way around not having that accelerated aging process? The key is less time in a chair if possible. That is the key, but then you're not really living life. Um, the big thing for, and the reason why uh, people with disabilities are living longer now is the support that we have. So the physio, the funding agents that cover the physios, um, lighter weight, more maneuverable wheelchairs, which we supply. Um, you've seen my chair. I mean, it weighs 10 pounds. So 20 years ago or 30 years ago, a rigid wheelchair weighed 40, 50, 60 pounds. Well, now they're coming under 10 pounds. So just the advancement in technology with the equipment that we're using, um, the seating products that we use. I mean, Rick, the cushion I'm sitting on, and you know that I've spent 10, 12, 14 plus hours in my chair. I mean, it's a $3,000 cushion. It, it, it protects my skin. It allows me to sit for longer periods of time. So the advancements in the products that we now are able to to use, and that's what we do at NSM, and it's kind of where my forte is in specialty and spinal cord injury. I mean, that's the reason I think that we are we're going to be able to live longer and 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 have you know a, a more manageable life in our senior. So recently, uh, the NDP moved towards no fault insurance, and with that came different changes in compensation and a whole host of things. Have you seen that on your end? Because of course you see a lot of spinal cord injury. Is there any kind of delay or is there any kind of uh, ramifications for, for your company if, if no fault is effectively ICBC judges how much somebody gets paid? How did I know you were going to ask that question, Rick? So, <laughs> Yes, I am. I'm seeing it firsthand. Um, uh, you've probably seen on the news there is a, a a lawyer who just became a quadriplegic in the Lower Mainland, and he's uh, he's taking things right to the um, you know the the heads of the courts and everything else, and and may go to the Supreme Court regarding this because what insurance companies don't understand is what the end user needs and how quickly we need it. So. WorkSafe BC, for example, which is one of the best funders out there, if it's medically justified and you need a new wheelchair, Rick, you're getting it. You know, it's a little bit of paperwork, boom, 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 and it's done. I think what ICBC is trying to do is, is again, and I should be careful with this, but kind of controlling the whole situation, which you can't control someone's disability. And that's going to be a problem. So before, I'm just going to use some quick numbers. You know, you become a paraplegic. You sue, you get $5 million, you um, manage your funds, you hire your staffing, you do whatever else you got to do. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's a Sunday and your caregiver doesn't show up and your wheelchair is broken and, and you can't go pull that money out and go deal with it in the timely manner or, or have the support that, you know, WorkSafe has with, with having extra equipment and stuff, I see it being a problem. And you know, I, I have a client right now in, in Kamloops that there's a delay on her bed. And those things can happen. I mean, what I told you at the very beginning of this is how we're a support for these people coming home. 
whenever you put up a roadblock, that's discouraging and frustrating to an user and it shouldn't happen. People have already had an, an injury. They've already had their life changed. Why put up a roadblock and make them wait for something that they need? So I see it being a problem. Okay, so let's, Dino, as somebody who, again, provides accessibility uh, to people in a chair that, that maybe had a catastrophic injury, spinal cord injury, or what have you, is there a number that, and I'm not saying everybody, every case is, is the same because it's really not, but is there a number that somebody would, would need? Because many people wouldn't even know what the number is. Is it, is it 500 grand? Is it 750? Like how much? Because you've got to think about, you know, accessibility in the home. You've got to think about accessibility at work and, you, you know, their life changes. Is there a number that you kind of put out there that say, you know, it's going to take you this amount of money to get, to get that accessibility you were used to? It's a tough question, Rick, because every single disability is different. You know, even though you're an L spinal cord injury, every L spine has its own, you know, example of how you can function. So now there isn't a solid number. That's why when, you know, the ability to sue ICBC, for example, and, and have a tort settlement and whatever else, I mean, these lawyers and end users, you know, hired staffing and therapists and did evaluations on, you know, I need this many wheelchairs per lifetime. I need this much care support. I need this much home renovation. Um, you know, inflation was brought in, like all of these things. I mean, it was done properly, in my opinion. I, I mean, that's why with, with WorkSafe BC, I mean, you're in a chair and whatever, this is what the, my little rule of thumb is, is if you didn't need A before you were injured, but you need A now, you should be able to get it. And that's just the final thing. So WorkSafe does it proper. Like they, they understand that there's inflation. They understand that there's cost of doing business and everything else. And, and it works well. Um, so to give you, I, I can't give you that number, Rick. I mean, it, it could be 2 million for a spinal cord injury. It could be 20 million if it's a, it's a brain injury. I mean, how do you, you can't put a number on quality of life and that's the tough part, right? So having, you know, an insurance company try to control that for you, that just adds stress to the situation. Okay, so Dina, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. Uh, you have all the, I've given you all the money, given you all the power to change Kelowna. What, what kinds of accessibility uh, would you install, create the next day? If I gave you all that, like limitless funds, limitless power, what, what kind of uh, accessibility would you give us? Well, I'm going to start with the easiest one. It's going to have to be parking. Um, you know, I've lived in Kelowna a really long time. And, and, and you know, since I've been driving at the age of 16, I mean, the parking and accessibility for Kelowna is just, uh, it's horrible. That's, that's the word to use. It's horrible. Um, nobody takes into consideration that people with disabilities are disabled. Um, you know, they need specialty parking as well, close. Um, the, the sidewalk situation with how, you know, you got to go pay down the block, wheel back to your vehicle. I mean, it just needs to be refiner. And, and believe it or not, the, the state of Washington in the U.S. Um, 
is probably the best setup that I've seen other than Europe. I mean, have van accessible parking. They have wheelchair accessible parking and they got parking for elderly. And that is what, especially Kelowna, Rick, as you know, I mean, this is a retiring capital of Canada and, you know, open it up a bit more. Like why? And, and this is the thing too. It's not just putting a handicapped sign up um, in a stall. Okay. You need to remove one stall because two stalls is a reality of a wheelchair parking spot. So, you know, how the demographics and how they do all of this stuff in Kelowna, I don't understand. You know, it's almost like it's still going back to the 70s and it's got to step step up and it's got to be where we are now. Um, you know, you've seen my accessible vehicle, Rick. A ramp comes out. It's got to drop in beside. Um, I'm going to use, you know, the ignorance of people that decide to park beside my van. I mean... It's a lot of common sense, too. I mean, you can't, I don't know if I should say this, but you can't change stupid, right? And there are a lot of people out there that just don't understand, you know, what people with disabilities need. And I think if the city were to step in and, and make that larger um, spaces, for example, uh, ramping, like, you know, don't put the ramp to go into the store inside of the wheelchair accessible stall. I mean, move it to the side, make, you know, and just things like that. It's almost like someone in a chair needs to be working at the city or they need to contract someone in a chair to spend some time with their engineers to get this place straightened out. Do you have a like pet peeve and irk or anything else like that? I mean, you and I are good friends. You, well, you call me for anything, and and I appreciate that because you know you and I are good friends. What? How do we approach that? Like I, I know a lot of people simply want to help, but they don't want to come across as anything less than being helpful. So is there is there any kind of rule of thumb that we should use when it comes to if we see somebody cruising towards rolling towards a, a door? Do we open that for them or because sometimes we get a little bit of no, no, I got it, you know, so just explain to me what would what's protocol. That's another tough one. So every disability is different again, right? So Rick, I'm, I make my asking you for favors, you know, a bit of a joke. I think the day we met, I'm like, oh, hey, neighbor, nice to meet you. Just so you know, I'm going to be needing your legs whenever I need to reach something, right? So you might as well get used to it. I mean, I made it kind of our thing, right, Rick? Um, guys like myself with that are, I mean, you know me better. I mean, I don't call you unless I can't reach something or, or whatever else, right? What I do find discouraging is, like you said, I'm out in a store getting out of my vehicle and people are like asking me for help. Well, again, I mean, you can't change stupid. I mean, why are you asking somebody that, for help when you can physically see them getting in and out of their vehicle. So, you know, if we're out and about and just anybody, even you, right. I mean, and you're limping away, I mean, you don't want to be asked for help. If it's physically something we can't do, we, we will ask, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, to, but to be asked, you know, if someone wants to grab a door, that's great. I mean, um, if somebody, you know, asks because they see that we're struggling, you know, that's probably great. But, just seeing somebody getting in and out of a vehicle or wheeling up to a door, I mean, that's a little overkill, I think, sometimes. But, again, every disability is different, right? 
I mean, there are people that are in power mobility that maybe need that door open, but they shouldn't be asking or need to be asked because there should be a power door at every single business in Kelowna. Okay. So thanks for, uh, sorting that out for us because honestly like i said a lot of people have tremendous empathy and again they don't want to come across as anything less than just trying to assist so now that we've covered that but what's interesting is i was at a bike store and i pulled into a a parking spot and i saw a woman um just putting a a bike on on the rack and i could see clearly that the, the bike was heavy it was a big electric bike and she was having trouble getting it onto the racking system. So I, I said to her, do you mind if I help? And, and man, I, I got snapped at. Now, I will always continue to ask. But when I saw yeah. the struggle, I was like, do you need any help with that? <laughs> and, and again, it's just, it, it's just funny and, and, and ironic in certain situations. No matter how hard the struggle, we still want to do it ourselves. And I respect that. I mean, that's the way I raise my kids and, and, and all that kind of good things. But, but, you know, I guess I'm just, it's just funny that we're, we're always looking for clues and signals and that kind of thing. And, and I guess sometimes we're going to get it wrong. I guess that's the only way to look at this. Absolutely. I mean, you said it perfectly. You saw somebody without a disability struggling you asked for help and you got your head bit off. I mean, you asked me for help and I mean, I'm going to say, okay, if it's going to make things easier. I mean, every person's different, you know, whether you're uh, able-bodied or not. So, you know, the the only difference, and I'll ever say this, I mean, you and I are no different, Rick, other than I got a little more extra equipment, right? Um, And that's about it. So, you know, maybe seeing, you know, somebody struggle. Yeah, you got to, if you got that heart inside and you want to help someone, then you should ask that question, right? But you know, going back to just city things, Rick, I mean, things like doors and ramps and accessibility, right? If we're getting asked that question that we need help, well, maybe the city should have all of those items in place so we don't need to have to ask that, have that question asked. So let's talk a bit about all the things I've seen you do, which is somewhat terrifying at times. <laughs> Be careful uh, <laughs> on what we're talking about here. Um, no, no, you've, uh, you know, you handle a side-by-side with, with, with grace and ease, of course. And, uh, you know, and, and you recently asked me about paddleboarding. So just, like, you are some one of those people that I've met that just, no matter what, I'm going to try that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I mean, you even had a, a really fast uh, wheelchair that... I think was uh, was a speedster and and really fast. So anyway, all that being said, what what things have you done in a chair? Like, I mean, have you gone skiing? Have you gone? You know, how many different activities have you subjected yourself to? What's well, um, sport, Rick? For someone with a disability, um, is, it was a game changer. So. Um, the first sport I ever tried, I was about 12 years old, was wheelchair basketball. And, and just being involved in team sport um, was probably one of the biggest reasons why I, I am where I am today. Um, sport is huge. Um, wheelchair basketball, again, was the first sport I tried. I've, I played tennis. I've done track. 
Um, the fast bike you're talking about, I mean, that's hand cycling. We added power assist to our hand cycle because, of course, a shoulder is not the same as a leg trying to push up a hill. So, you know, again, advancement in technology. Um, I've done snow skiing. Didn't like that very much. I'm more of a, you know, I don't like snow. I like sand and beach and boat. Um, so getting to boating, I mean, I had, I had a boat for years. I did wakeboarding behind my boat. Um, wow. I, I don't know, Rick. I, there's pretty much everything. Whatever you've done, I think I've probably done myself other than, you know, the paddleboard, which I'll be borrowing yours uh, this weekend because we're, uh, we're going out camping. We're going to go away for a week and, and I'm going to give that a go and see, see if I can stay above the board. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about that moment when you might be speaking to somebody that's emotionally charged and they've, you know, they've just gone through that catastrophic change in their life and they're, and they're, and they're adjusting. You said yourself, you become a counselor. What, what do you tell them? Like, give us an example of, of something that you would say to somebody that's gone through a spinal cord injury and, and they're looking at a, a life, but it's just different. So how, how do you, how do you soften that or how do you, how do you work through that? Cause you've, you've had that conversation numerous times. Wow. You're just throwing them at me, aren't you? I mean, really Rick, all I can ever share with an, with an end user um, that's had a catastrophic injury is that life is just different now. You know, it's, it's, you're again, adding just another piece of equipment to it. I mean, it's, it's a restart of life is what I usually say. Um, you know, the fact that I have lived with this disability my entire life, um, a lot of times they just kind of will understand that, you know, if, if I've gotten this far, um, become, you know, a, a manager at the largest medical corporation, you know, there is pretty much North America. I mean, it just shows that, there's nothing that a person with a disability can't do. And I can't, that's what I share with them. You know, I just share that, hey, I've done it. You know, we're all going to have our bad days. I mean, Rick, you have bad days. I mean, there's days I know you don't pop your head out of that door because they just caught up to you too, right? I mean, it's just we all have bad days. And, and that's what I always tell people. I'm like, 46 years in, I still have a bad day. I still knock something off my, my lap, you know, you're your hand doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. So I kind of tried to turn it into a bit of a, a joke in, in, in the fact that, hey, it's whether you're standing or not, we all got bad days. When you're when you have a disability, yeah, your day's probably worse than an average bad day, but everything happens for a reason and tomorrow's another day. So Dino, I've uh, known you for a few years and and your wife, Tracy, I just want to chat a bit about how what what kind of role she has in your life uh you know could you could you imagine life without without tracy who i th i think and i don't know but i think she assists you uh in day-to-day -day living just want to talk about that wow now we're getting the wives involved eh um yeah it takes a it takes a pretty unique person um to I don't know, to, to live the life that live the life with me as, as I do and stuff like that. And, and Tracy's one of those, those persons. I mean, the best part about Tracy is, is 
<laughs> she kind of forgets my wheelchair and just sees me, right? There's times where, you know, I'll, I'll ask her for something, just like I'll ask you to reach something or whatever. And she's like, oh, can't, can't you do that yourself? And and just that fact that, you know, the, the chair isn't really there um, is is pretty awesome. Um yeah, you're right. There are things that I still kind of need help with. And, 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 you know, and guess what? So does she. I mean, um, it, it's a great relationship. And yeah, I mean, she's an all-star. You've met her. I mean, I think, uh, I think we all, you know, yourself and Jen and myself, I mean, we've, we've come close and we all kind of care about each other and stuff. And yeah, she's, she's pretty awesome. I mean, there again, you know, she's got her bad days too. And, uh, the fact that we can both understand each other in, in, in those, you know, bad days and good days. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about the uh, horizon for Dino Padula. What, what do you want to do? Like, obviously you don't want to work forever. Um, is it travel plans? Is it uh, seeing the U S is it seeing going across Canada? Like what kinds of things do you want to take? Cause, cause I know you got that beautiful trailer. So are you going to hit the open road or what are you doing? Well, my plan kind of tentative plan or whatever, like I, uh, I'll just back up a bit. I mean, I, I owned a a specialty shop called active mobility products and, and sold to national seating um, two years ago. And, and my plan with them is, was to rebuild and, and, and bring, you know, national seating to Kelowna and, and, and we've done that and we've become, you know, one of the largest again, uh, in Kelowna. Um, do I want to continue to, to help people moving forward, like end user and stuff like that? I do. And I, and what I really want to do, Rick is, is, is start training someone else to, to fill in these shoes that, that I've done for all these years. So future plans, you know, I'm hoping in the next five years or so that I'd be able to pull back a bit. Um, more of a consultant role for NSM, um, have some junior staff um, that that I can support. And yeah, you hit it right. I mean, Tracy and I have a, a beautiful motorhome and trailer and um, yeah, I want to start going south and and touring the U.S. I got a brother in L.A. that I want to go park the motorhome up front just like Uncle Eddie did, you know, <laughs> and uh and yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping that with what I've proven to national seating and what we've done so far that, you know, I'd be able to share my my wealth of knowledge with with some of the groups down in the States. So maybe I become a mobile representative and consultant for them and, and you know, finish off my career that way. Um, I don't think I'll ever retire, Rick, though. I mean, um, I care about my clients and and you know one of them quite well as you know, and, and I can't leave them hanging. So as long as they're going to be around, I think I'm going to be around too to support them. Will it be nine to five? No. Um, but uh, I'll be around. I mean, um, I'll be around, but I'll be around virtually if, if anything, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure I can get a team's meeting on a beach in uh, in Mexico. And uh, let's be honest, there's nothing better to heat with uh, taking care of a disability's body. So Okay, Dino, Dino, we're we're almost at the end here, but I, I just wanted to ask you, this, this question is just for, is there a, you talked about people, you know, parking too close to your accessible van, 
that's one of them. But is there any other pet peeves you have as you move through society, as maybe clients move through society? Is there any, is there a big pet peeve or complaint that they have uh, that maybe we just don't even know about, we're oblivious to? I don't know, Rick, really. I mean, again, it's, it's a bit tougher for me because there's nothing that's ever stopped me from doing what I can do. But I mean, I think the big thing is, is accessibility, like the ramps, you know, stairs in a building where you want to go for dinner. I mean, I might as well bring it up. I mean, Earl's on top. I can't go there. You know, why don't they have an elevator? Why, why hasn't the city implemented that any building that has stairs has to have accessibility? I mean, I guess really is there shouldn't be a place that you can't, that you can go Rick that I can't because of my disability. I, I so appreciate the fact that, you know, and, and of course we know, we know Earl's, we know Brad and all that kind of stuff, but it never occurred to me that that is actually a real, like that is something that has not been addressed and maybe it's something that should be looked at because again, I shouldn't be able to go anywhere that you can't. Absolutely. Then, and that, that Rick is, is the sum, I think the answer all questions. I mean, if you're walking around and you get someplace and you can't jump over that wall, right? Well, it's the same thing as us getting somewhere and can't go up those stairs. I mean, when I was younger and, you know, 60 or 70 or 80 pounds lighter, I mean, my buddies used to carry me up those stairs, but let's be honest. I mean, I feel bad now that I'm throwing that name out there and Earls and Brad and the rest of them. But the reality is, is that's that's a big point. I mean, it, it's probably the nicest patio in all of Kelowna. And uh, you and I can't go there, right? Well. Well, together anyways, right? Well, exactly. Uh, okay, well, we, we said it and we'll see what, uh, what ripples from this show. Uh, just wanted to thank Dino, friend, Padula, uh, sales manager at National City Mobility, I knew I would uh, get some some honest, straightforward chatter with uh, my favorite Italian. So uh, here we are. Good job, Mister, and uh, and and yeah, thanks for giving us some insight today. I think it helped a lot of people. You're welcome, Rick. Uh, you do a lot for me, and uh, I really appreciate you getting me involved in uh, in this as well. And um, if you ever need anything, um, yeah, I'm here. So let me know. Hopefully, uh, what we chatted about today helps helps people with disabilities, helps maybe the city, helps, you know, anybody that's listening. You know, we we have the ability to uh, to do whatever we need to do.